From Welcome Villain Films, the studio that brought you the horror hit Malum, as well as Beaten to Death and Hunter Killer, comes their newest nightmare, Mind, Body, Spirit, now available on digital. Directed by Alex Haynes and Matthew Miranda, and produced by Dan Asma, Mind, Body, Spirit follows Anya, an aspiring yoga influencer, as she embarks on a ritual practice left behind by her estranged grandmother. What starts as a spiritual self-help guide quickly evolves into something much more sinister. As Anya becomes increasingly obsessed with the mysterious power of the practice, she unwittingly unleashes an otherworldly entity that begins to take control of her life and her videos. Now, Anya must race to unlock the truth before her descent into madness threatens to consume her mind, body, and spirit. During its festival tour, which stops at Chattanooga Film Festival and the Unnamed Footage Festival, Mind, Body, Spirit garnered praise from critics who call it a found footage version of Hereditary and a knockout found footage horror movie for the live stream era. Experience the first ever yoga-themed found footage horror film and don't miss the film viewers have called extremely frightening and upsetting. Available now on digital anywhere you rent or buy movies online, including Prime Video and Apple Plus. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's the show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com So before we start the episode tonight, we do have a request for you. Our first episode in October will be our one-year anniversary, which oh we are God. so excited about. It's so wild, and we want to celebrate with you guys. So do you have a fun story to tell us about a movie that we've covered that traumatized you as a kid? Are you a former, potentially a future guest, and your film was already taken? Or do you just want to tell us hi and that we're badasses? I mean, obviously, but we like to hear it from you. Um, if so, please send us a short audio clip and we might include it and talk about it in our one year anniversary episode. Yeah. Instructions and the link to the Google submission form will be included in our show notes all September. And if you are following us on our Twitter account, we're on which is at Scarred Podcast. We are talking about it uh, all the time. So as always, thank you so much for listening. And on with the show. And welcome back to Scarred for Life, the podcast where we open up old wounds by looking back at the films that scared us as kids. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth. Each episode, our special guest brings with them a movie that traumatized them as a child. This week, our guest is horror writer and co-director of the Bloody Mary Film Festival, Laura DiGirolamo. You've seen her writing in places like Rue Morgue and Grimm Magazine. Welcome to the show! 
Hi. Yeah. Yay. We're really excited to talk to you, especially about the movie you brought Me today. Me too. <laughs> but, um, but before we do that, let's take it back to the beginning. How did you get into horror? So I, I was thinking about this the other week, um, and I, I get there. I feel like there's no one moment, but um, right. I, when I was a kid, I used to like see scary things and then they would scare me so much I would want to like figure out what they were so my mom would take me to the grocery store with her and I would see like Goosebumps book covers in the grocery store because they had like a little book section and they would scare the shit out of me and I would be <laughs> like I would want to like hide behind my mom but also intrigued like what are <laughs> what, are, what are these weird eggs in this mask <laughs> uh, and then also like going to block there was two blockbusters within a 10 minute walk of my house growing up hell yeah mm. that was great so a lot of a lot of Friday night movie nights and I would just kind of wander over to the horror section and look at all the covers and be like what is this stuff uh and I was also like a bookworm as a kid. I was like one of those kids that like was bored of school. So just read under their desk all the time and mm -hmm. definitely read a lot of books. I that were too advanced for me about uh, alien invasions and terrifying stuff like that. Oh, wow. So, uh, <laughs> so I, think I was going to ask if it was uh, like goosebumps and stuff, but it sounds like you went to like the, the hardcore stuff with reading. Yeah, I was like eight. Yeah, I definitely read books above my grade level <laughs> for a long time that were maybe not, that still scare me today. And I think back like, why did I, who let me do that? Adults in the 90s were just like, yeah, do whatever you want. We don't care. She's reading. <laughs> Read Stephen King. It's fine. Yep. You'll be oh, fine. I, I, did. I read Anne Rice when I was uh, 11. Yep, oh. I did too. Yeah. And I was yeah, like, I think this we is all weird. Did. I was like, this is weird, but like, it's cool. And your my family's like, yeah, it's totally fine. It's vampires. I'm like, have you even read these books? Yeah. <laughs> like, I was like no. reading like the Mayfair witches ones, which are just, they're like 400 pages of just sex. Um, and I was like, my mom didn't even, there's like naked women on the cover of this book. My mom was like, she's so smart. It's so funny. <laughs> there was like one time where I actually got in trouble for the book because like I was reading all these books, right? And so I had I had a friend and I lent Jaws to him and I guess uh, her parents read it and the book in Jaws, there's like a part where the wife has an affair with, with Hooper and like there's actually a part in there where like he is describing her vagina and like her <laughs> mom got so pissed at me for lending this book to her and i didn't even think anything of it because like i've been reading this stuff since i was like eight yeah it's so weird it's like when you meet people who haven't like seen the simpsons growing up and they're like mm. oh my mom wouldn't let me and i'm like oh my mom let me watch south park when i was 10 <laughs> <laughs> until she tuned in for one episode and was like maybe this is the best thing Dude, my parents wouldn't let me watch south park when i was 18 so <laughs> it is so weird like what parents will like will keep you from watching but like it's like weird because sometimes my mom was like it's not all rated r movies it's just some of them and it was very mm -hmm. arbitrary and i was like okay like that's fine whatever and then i started buying my own movies at borders rest in peace borders <laughs> and like she just like never could keep track anymore of what i bought and then it was just like she just stopped caring yeah, that's that's more or less what happened. I think they realized that I was such a voracious reader. I was gonna I was gonna read out the entire library, and there was nothing they could do to stop it. And that also I was gonna watch a lot of spooky movies, and there was nothing they could do to stop it. Yeah. Um. So, what were some of your favorite horror movies and books growing up? 
growing up, I always really liked, um, I liked a lot of the sort of quasi fantasy type stuff. Like I really mm. love Never Ending Story was a favorite. Um, mm-hmm. Dark Crystal is uh, mm-hmm. it, a- another movie that scared the shit out of me and does to this day because I watched it when I was four, which is way too oh, young geez. to watch no. the Dark Crystal. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I really love that movie and, uh, you know, Labyrinth as, uh, a little bit less, but still as much. Um, I really loved Arachnophobia, which also oh came, my came out in the same year the witches <laughs> did. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> Terry is terrified of Arachnophobia. Oh, <laughs> I'm not afraid of spiders, um, but oh, I was terrified I of Arachnophobia. I am. <laughs> <laughs> I am afraid of both. Like that. Was, I mean, that was like the first ep- episode that we did was on that and for Mary Beth, it was Poltergeist. And I, I was dreading watching that movie for, for like for this podcast because i cannot stand that movie yeah it's uh that part the part with the part that always used to scare me is when um when oh god uh i don't know why i can't remember his name right now um the guy that's in everything john goodman <laughs> when john, goodman. john goodman gets like <laughs> molded to that huge spider web so oh. that that always used to freak me out but uh <laughs> yeah some of those obviously tim burton um Oh, of I, saw a, I saw a really mm. great meme today. It was a picture of Nightmare Before Christmas, and it was like, "This is why your sister's goth." And I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> story checks out." It's exact. That is exactly true. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember what your what the, your first horror movie was? Oh, I don't know. It it might have actually been Arachnophobia. Um, oh, really? Oof. I don't remember. It would have been a long time yeah. ago. I remember um, my my mom was like sort of into the x-files for a little bit when i was a oh, kid okay. and i think she would she would like watch it and i would just like peek, peek around the corner of the door frame uh <laughs> at the, when the scary parts happened so yeah i watched i watched some of that when i was growing up um yeah i don't remember i think yeah maybe something like beetlejuice or something it would have been like mm. a like a sort of ki- uh, not kids type horror movie but i watched like a lot of those as a kid uh like the kind of entry level the kind Spooky of gateway movies, horror. yeah, like Hocus Pocus. I love Hocus uh-huh. Pocus. Yeah. yeah, I had the similar experience with X Files, where like my parents would, I would hear the the theme song, mm-hmm. and I would run out of my room oh my to God, watch same. the beginning. I would hide. I'd be like, <laughs> yes, I'd be, like, I'd be so scared. <laughs> but then I would be like, I have to see the guy falling into the handprint. Like it's like so it's, like a specific memory of that opening sequence, and then like always getting terrified. My mom was like, you have to stop doing that. And I'm like, I can't help it. She's like, what is wrong with you? Yeah, um, I, I was really afraid of <laughs> aliens as a kid. I think probably because of X Files and. And I um I was afraid of ET. I like even now I'm like he's ugly. I don't know why people think he's cute, but I was terrified. And I remember once I had a nightmare as a little kid about ET. And I woke up and I went to get my mom. And my mom was like, "Oh, what what happened?" And I said I had a nightmare. And she said, "What was your nightmare about?" And I said, "ET." And I think it must have been like four in the morning because my mom was like, "Oh, you had a nightmare about Entertainment Tonight." <laughs> <laughs> which i used to watch with her as a kid which probably I also love... got me into movies that I is so it. funny uh, she doesn't <laughs> remember i tell her this story all the time and she doesn't remember uh... because it was like 25 years ago probably but <laughs> and four in the morning, four in the morning. Like, i don't even think she meant that's... to say that but it makes me laugh so much that's amazing that's amazing um, so what as an adult draws you to horror now i think really similar stuff actually mm-hmm. i'm very i'm not like a big slasher person just because you know unless they're kind of meta like you know something like cabin in the woods or whatever um just because you know sometimes i get kind of bored of the same genre so the ones that are like pretty self-aware i'm into but i really like like sort of black comedies i really like sort of esoteric Mm. weird art house horror like in fabric or like the new suspiria like that kind of stuff that's like 
on the edge of kind of camp sometimes. Mm. Okay. Like fa- fantasy horror, I really like. Uh, horror that has like a really strong visual style, I really love. All the sort of, you know, the beautiful kind of spooky stuff. Crimson Peak, obviously, uh, obsessed mm-hmm. with that movie. I, I just really love, I love like kind of that dichotomy between like terrifying sort of crazy brutal horror stuff and then like really beautiful like aesthetic and music Mm. and things like that and i think it's really cool movies that can mesh those two things together um and like tell really beautiful visual stories that are like weird and creepy because i think it makes a lot of other things in the movie even more weird and creepy if the visuals are so beautiful yeah and i saw you just saw climate of the hunter for fantasia and that it's like i saw that you said it was your shit and i was like yeah that movie is so weird but it's so good yeah like Exactly. So I just wanted to bring that up because I saw you post about it. I'm like, mm-hmm, that is exactly what that is. Yeah. The movie is so idiosyncratic that like some people either love it <laughs> mm-hmm. and some people hate it. Yes. I, I'm all three of us. I think love it. I yeah, love it. I loved it too. Yeah. I loved it's it so a lot. Weird and good. It's just like fucking bizarre and it's amazing. It's so the like narration at the beginning of each meal about what they're yes! eating like, yes! like this is so weird. I love it so much. Oh, it's so weird. Oh, uh, it's just God. yeah. Like I really love when like people speak weirdly in horror movies and this like stilted <laughs> unnatural like tilda swinton oh, and suspiria so like what yes. just her face all the time and like her dramatic head turns like i love <laughs> i love this the sense of like beautiful unreality in some of these horror movies mm. hell yeah that's a good way to put it. Yeah, they're all like, I, I recommended In Fabric to a friend a couple days ago, and she messaged me today being like, well, I don't understand this movie. Please explain yourself. <laughs> and you're like, what? It's a killer dress, and it's yeah, weird. I, was like, like, I, don't I don't understand it either, but uh, did that sales lady not make you laugh a lot? <laughs> exactly. I'm with you there. Yeah, it's great. Do you still, I mean, you know, it's like, when you watch horror movies for like a living, or like you watch it all the time, we sometimes kind of get jaded. Do you still get your childhood fear watching horror or are you, are, are you jaded? Like I'm pr- pretty like, jaded. Like I'm pretty jaded. Yeah. Uh, almost yeah. nothing freaks me out anymore. Um, <laughs> I kind of <laughs> wish it did certain, like, yeah, I watched, um, speaking of things we just watched, uh, cause I'm, I'm also covering Fantasia for exclaim, which is a Canadian music and movie magazine. And I just did come true, which I don't know if you guys have seen. But. Oh my god, we were just talking about Come True. So the, the end is I wanted to, awful. I wanted to ask you about this. I fucking hate the ending, oh, yeah, it and it ruined, the, it, it, it ruined the movie, movie for me. The last, like, half an hour of the movie, I was, like, not super yes. into, but her her nightmares scared the shit out of me. Like, the weird yes! glowing men, because it felt like... I used to have sleep paralysis for a little bit when I was oh, a teenager. Shit. Uh, and yeah. it's kind of gone away now. I think it must have been, like, a puberty thing, because I got it when I was, like, 13, 14, and it kind of went away by the time mm. I was, like, 16 or 17. But that's what my sleep paralysis looked like. It would be like shapes and their eyes would glow. And I knew it wasn't real. I knew it was a nightmare, but I wouldn't be able to get out of it. So it was extra scary. So I I really liked that movie did that sort of visual like really accurately, I thought. But yeah, the end was like, what? Like what? It had nothing to do with anything. There was no. It's a wet fart. Yeah. It, nothing to do with anything that had happened, and I was so bad because I loved the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like the, I, I also had, I, I continue to have really bad nightmares as an adult, and so whenever there's a movie about nightmares, I'm like, I have to watch it because, like, I want to see how they represent nightmares. And I was like, so into it, I was so excited, and then the ending happened, and I was like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, no, it made me so angry, and I'd been like pre-warned because <laughs> I'd seen like a couple of people like tweeting about it, like, oh, it's amazing, but the ending, holy shit! And I was, I thought it was, I thought it was going to be aliens because she's like. 
going into the woods and like, oh, like, oh, they're all, all the like shapes are kind of there. And it felt like sort of an X-Files-y vibe. And then like, what? I don't know. It's just, I feel like maybe they wrote themselves into a corner, but I'm trying to not give it away, I, but it is, it's a, it's an especially cheap ending. I thought. <laughs> I know. I was telling someone like, have you seen Sputnik, Laura? No. Like, that has a similar problem where it's really good until the end. And I'm like, I just have all these movies where, like, I, I know exactly where I want it to end. And then I will not watch the rest of it. Yeah. I'm like, oh, no more after that. I will write my own ending for this movie. Yeah. So. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to choose to believe, like, the last, like, five minutes never happened, I think. I, that is exactly how I feel. <laughs> yeah. That is exactly how I feel. I'm like, don't watch the last five minutes. Yeah. It's a beautiful Turn it off. <laughs> Turn it off. <laughs> Um, so that was the last film that kind of scared you or remind you of what it was like to watching scary movies as a kid? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking if there's anything else that's like really, well, obviously like stuff like Hereditary just destroyed me, uh, as I think it did for most people. Um, I think one yeah. of the movies that it's hard for me to go back and watch because it still scares me is The Descent. Mm. Yes. I'm not, I'm not claustrophobic, but I'm, cla- I'm claustrophobic if it's a small space with lots of people. Like, if I'm on, like, a crowded subway train or something. Mm, so mm. I think, like, and just cannibalism always screws me up. And there's, like, a lot of, like, sort of humanoid people, like, eating other people in the descent. And, like, that freaks me out. I think that's why I can't do a lot of body horror. I think, like, okay. damage to, like, the body is really just freaky to me. I just, okay. I don't know. Maybe it, like, reminds me of my own mortality or something. <laughs> but that's why I like the, the beautiful, stupid nonsense. Because it's like, look at this haunted dress. This isn't going to hurt me. <laughs> You said it. Okay, I was going to ask you, a mutual friend of ours that I'm not going to divulge their name wanted me to ask you about spooky nonsense (laughs) and how much you love it. I love spooky nonsense, yes. (laughs) It's the same thing. It's like, I love when things are just spooky for spooky's sake and they're just delighting and like the beautiful spookiness of it. Like something like... uh, like Tim Burton's Sleepy Hollow is like beautiful spooky nonsense because it's dumb, right? It like it's kind of just a fun dumb movie, but it's it's, it's beautiful so and the, good. The, it's so great and just like every like the set design is so on point and the costumes are so on point. It's like peak Tim Burton before he became a parody of himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this mutual friend was like, you should you can make a drinking game of this of of her love of spooky nonsense. Yeah, and absolutely. So, yeah, you brought it up, so I'm about ready to take a shot. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> take a shot of my coffee. Exactly. Yeah, just I can't. I just it's 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 exactly the way I would describe all of the movies that I love so much. It like, was Joe, by the way. Albert I figured Fanny. I was going to say, was it Joe? <laughs> yeah, I knew it, it would have been Joe or <laughs> s- someone else that Joe also works with that I'm sure you guys also know who I'm guessing. So you are the co-director of the Bloody Mary Film Festival. Can you tell us more about that film festival and like what yeah. it is and all that yeah. good stuff? So it's, um, it, it is every year except for this very strange <laughs> year um it would have it would have been in april uh but it's uh we cover sci-fi and fantasy and uh horror films that are directed by canadian female identifying canadian filmmakers so all of our films are canadian uh we show a mix of it's mostly shorts um because you know there's not a lot of women making features in canada unfortunately it's changing there are a few that are doing a lot uh so we have way more to pick from but uh, we do a lot of shorts, too, because we really like kind of giving uh, more indie filmmakers or like newer filmmakers kind of a shot to get their films screened. Uh, for a lot of them, our festival is like the first time that their film is on a big screen, which is awesome. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, it's pretty fun. It's just, yeah, I, I, I started it. I started it with Krista Jasinski, who's my partner, who's a filmmaker. 
uh, who actually, her and her partner have a film at Salem uh, Horror Fest this year. Which is oh, awesome. which one? Uh, it's called The Strings. Uh, oh, yeah. I saw that. That's so cool. I'm, yeah. I'm giving a lecture at Salem Horror oh, nice. Fest. Oh, so nice. Yeah, I'm so excited. There's, yeah, there's a lot of awesome stuff happening. I They're can't wait so to actually cool. go to it. Like, all the films and all the lectures look really, really great. But, uh, yeah, the, the strings is also definitely beautiful, spooky nonsense. So I recommend Hell that yeah. one. Uh, but yeah, she and I started it. I kind of had the idea for it and I met her through like a mutual friend who was like, you should talk to my friend Krista. She's kind of interested in the same thing. And we were both just sort of frustrated with all of the film, the horror film festivals we were going to and how much of the programming was so male dominated. And even mm-hmm. something like TIFF, where like, you know, it has <laughs> TIFF, you know, if uh, I'm from Toronto, if you talk to a Toronto film person about TIFF, we have a lot of feelings. Uh, <laughs> Especially this year, probably. Oh, my TIFF God. Is, uh, fucking it up this year. Yeah, but like, anyway. and there's so like, like Salem and like Fantasia, which has been a really great virtual experience. I've been doing it so well. So there's like no excuse. But ugh, yeah, that's yeah. a whole like, yeah, it's just <laughs> it, it felt very like boys clubby. And we were like so sick of that because there was so many other other amazing films that were being directed by women. Uh, we started it the year The Babadook came out because oh. I saw that at uh, Toronto After Dark, which is a big horror festival here. Mm-hmm. And uh, I like it was so popular they needed to add two screenings, and I just like white knuckle like sweat through my clothes through the whole movie. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> I, they they did another screening of it uh, after my like immediately after my screening because it was so popular and it sold out. And I saw a friend of mine in line. And she was like, oh, how was it? And I was like, I can't even, I can't even talk right now. (laughs) But I saw it and it was such a, like, it was, it speaks so uniquely to like female fears, like the fear of, you know, obviously there's, there's men have like a fear of fatherhood, but there's so much like being a mother and like motherhood is so loaded and such a loaded thing. And it's so expected that like you have a kid and then everything, you know, your life is going to be super perfect. And this kid is going to bring so much joy to your life. So to have like a realistic depiction of like a woman who's like unraveling because maybe she isn't a good mother. Maybe she doesn't know how to be a good mother and like all the kind of shame and weirdness that comes from that. And I was just so like blown away by it. And I was like, there has to be other films like this that are like very specifically speaking to like a female experience. So that's why we started the festival and Mm, it's been really awesome. And I've kind of found a lot of really cool, uh, small gems that I haven't, I didn't know were there before. And it's also like, I, I feel like we have helped build like a sort of, or helped build a Canadian female horror filmmaking like community. Cause a lot of people, uh, a lot, we get a lot of people that come to the festival and there's a lot of like post chatting, after screenings and stuff, which is also really awesome. And filmmakers always like meeting each other. And uh, we, we've had like an opening night party that's really cool and awesome. And everybody likes to socialize there. So it's, yeah, I think one of the reasons we didn't really also want to do it virtual this year, like a lot of other festivals are doing, is just because that like in-person uh, networking experience is so important for our mm. festival. Just it's it's such a good way for other people I feel who really want to see more diverse voices in genre to like come together, see a whole bunch of films, a lot of which they might've never heard before and, and then just talk about them and chat about them. And we try to screen a lot of pretty diverse stuff. Like we've had pretty straight, like genre stuff. That's like body horror. We had a musical last year uh, that was a stop motion puppet musical about a couple that buys a condo and then they turn into fish. 
So just oh hell yeah, that sounds amazing. gamut of, of weird things. We have stuff that's like more experimental, stuff that's uh, animated. We had an anim- another animated film last year that was like a student animated film about a substitute teacher who's like a, an assassin. That was very cool. <laughs> so we try to get like kind of weird and quirky with it. They're not, some of them aren't necessarily like straight horror, but I would categorize them as like genre because there is some sort of you know weird supernatural yeah. miss happening to them that is so cool that is amazing Thanks. like just being like fuck it i'm gonna start my own film festival and like we're gonna just give these people voices and start a community like that is just so cool thanks yeah i didn't know what i was doing at first but uh it's you know, <laughs> once you do it you're, that's why i was like i need a person to do it with me <laughs> because <laughs> and then my first thought was like oh we could just like screen it in like the back room of a bar and it'll be like all experimental stuff and then Krista was like, no, we should like rent a theater and do the whole thing. I was like, oh, yeah, I guess we should do that. <laughs> and you're like, oh, I guess that is a possibility. Yeah, I guess it's a possibility. There's like so much imposter syndrome at first. Where you're like, I can't do oh, this. Yeah. No one's going to come. Everyone's going to hate it. But uh, the opposite has proved true. So that's been really I was fun. Gonna say, yeah, that's amazing. That's awesome. yeah. So... Laura, what movie are we talking about today? We are talking about The Witches. From the incredible imagination of Jim Henson and director Nicholas Rogue comes a fascinating new fantasy adventure. The Witches. For when a little boy accidentally stumbles into their secret world... He finds they've got a lot more power than he ever imagined. Grandma! It's me, Luke! Luke! They turned me into a mouse. Oh, my. It was the Grand High Witch. Join Luke on his remarkable journey. Now, the witches are on his tail. And he must scurry around their evil plots. Squeak past every danger. Finally setting the trap that will save the world from the witches. You are in for a treat. We must stop them. Oh my god, beautiful nonsense. Not actually (laughs) nonsense. 90s puppet nonsense. The witch is about a young boy who has been recently orphaned, and he's taken to England by his grandmother. At a hotel in which they are staying, a group of witches have gathered to prepare a plot to rid England of all children. And this is based this is based on a book by Roald Dahl who wrote BFG, um Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Mm -hmm. Okay, I always get the Charlie and the Willy Wonka ones mixed up, so I had to Make sure. But yeah. So, Laura, tell us your horror story about this. How old were you? Where were you? Where did you see it? Paint us a picture of your experience with the witches. So I read the book first, because uh, like okay. I mentioned, okay. I read a lot as a kid, and I really liked mm-hmm. I really liked Roald Dahl books because he, I mean, you know, he's I think a noted anti semite. We know now, but you know, I was eight, I didn't know that. I didn't know <laughs> he was a horrible racist. But I will give him credit where credit is due for writing some super scary, fucked up books for kids. Um, and I think that also probably why I like scary fucked up stuff now, cause I read a lot of those <laughs> books, but I, yeah, I think I, I probably read most of his books. I kind of tore through a lot of them as a kid. And I, I, this one was one of my favorites, um, because it really, and it's, it's the same for the movie too. It really, it's one of those kids 
pieces of literature slash movies where kids aren't safe uh, mm. and bad things can happen to kids. And in the book and the movie, like creatively horrifying bad things happen to kids. It's not that they just get, you know, murdered or whatever. Like one of them gets sucked into a painting, which always creeps yeah, me out. Yeah, what? what? <laughs> like what the fuck? Yeah, that's in, yeah, that, that one's in the book. The book has a bunch of other, like the book just starts with the grandmother being like, okay, so there's witches and they want to kill you. I'm going to outline seven children <laughs> from my Nor- Norwegian village who have all been killed by witches. And here's how one of them gets turned into a porpoise. One of them turns into like a rock and they describe his skin turning like walnut texture. Oh God. And it's, <gasps> and there's all these drawings. Roll. I don't know if I, I'm sure if people are familiar oh, with like the Roald doll books, they all have that very distinctive drawing style. They were illustrated by this guy named Quentin Blake and they're all really creepy. And his illustrations for the witches are really iconic because it's, it's very much Angelica Huston from the movie where she's in the long black dress and just a very like elegant long haired woman. And then her face is like all worms and stuff underneath. So that, haunted my dreams as a child that picture of her like taking off her face and she's all like has a scary messed up face and then i saw the movie i must have been maybe like 10 or around that um it came out the year i was born actually so i didn't get to it for a while but uh i i saw it on like the family channel which is a i don't know if it's american or not it's like it was like the disney channel for canada i guess so okay. I, they would have, a, I think because it, it was Jim Henson, they would play some Jim Henson movies on it too. And I watched it and for, I thought I watched it like towards the end, the first time I tuned in. And then I think I watched it again later when it was on TV a couple of years after. But I thought at first it was a Mr. Bean episode because Mr. <laughs> Bean's in it and he's dressed exactly like Mr. Bean. Yeah. And he looks, no. But he doesn't, he talks like his normal self. And I was like, what is this movie? And then I kept watching it. And I was like, oh, this is The Witches. And then I actually like sought it out and watched it. Uh, and I and I really, really liked it. But that's still that scene of her, fa- of her taking her face off. Mm. Still, no matter how old I watch it, I'm like, I can't deal with this it's still freaky but yeah that book definitely destroyed my dreams and uh the movie once i figured out it wasn't a mr bean movie it was like definitely like the parts where they they transform into uh mice also scared me a lot because like i said the body horror thing freaks me out yeah so and it's it's just really well done and it's so like even now it still looks pretty good yes it looks so good so I I don't think I've seen this movie in like maybe twenty seven or twenty eight years. <laughs> um, I saw it when it first came out. I would have been uh, probably nine or ten, depending on when it. Because I, I didn't see it in theaters. I saw it when it was out on on VHS. So I, I was probably mm. ten when I saw it. You know, wa- watching it now, I was immediately transported the moment the music started. Like I was immediately brought back to being a kid watching this movie. And cause honestly, if you had asked me before we, before I had watched this as an adult, I would have said this was about a kid in a boarding school. Like that is my memory. My memory is that he was in a boarding school. Like I completely, I don't know if I like mix this one up with something else, but in my mind he was going to a boarding school and like the headmistress was, (laughs) was Angela, it was Angelica Houston. I mean, the hotel kind of looks like one. Yeah. Yeah. From the inside. It, it does. I, I can get that vibe. But yeah. So the thing is, is that like watching this now as an, as an adult and remembering myself as a kid when I first saw it, there, there were, there are two things that I, I wanted to, uh, to like bring up. Um, the first one is that, uh, the, the painting, the girl in the painting. It's so horrifying. 
think. It's so horrifying, but I remember when I was a kid, my parents had this painting of this kid on a beach and he was running. Oh, Jesus Christ. He was running towards like the ocean. It was just this kid and the beach. And I remember before seeing this movie that I was always very sad. The painting always made me really sad. Because I was like, well, where's the parents? Like, this kid's all by himself <laughs> running, to, and it, like a little kid running to the beach. And, like, I I started, the moment I saw the girl in the painting, I, I was immediately transported back. To, after I saw this movie, I would pass that painting, and I'd give it a side eye. Yeah. I'd be staring at this painting like, <laughs> is that kid going to move somewhere? Oh, my God. I is did the kid- same thing whenever, I don't know if there was a specific <laughs> painting, but I remember if I would be, like, at my grandmother's house or something, she had, like, a few of those uh, very, like, yeah. Italian-type whatever paintings of a girl. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, is she going to get older? Is she going to look at me? I, it also makes me think of, like, you know that Stephen King book, Rose Matter? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a whole, there's, like, another creepy woman in a painting thing. So it's, I don't know, yeah. it's, like... It, that that book that book and that movie are so scary to me because it's like there's a part in the movie where there's like one witch in like the convention hall who's like we'll just poison them and she's like no you idiot people will catch us like you have to be sneakier <laughs> and it was just like when you're a kid you're taught like don't talk to strangers all this stuff but you don't think that it it really kind of preys on the idea that like you don't really know who to trust as a kid and like this nice looking woman could be, you know, she could want to turn you into a mouse and you have no idea. So it made me think like, oh God, do I not trust paintings either? <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Like that it's it's freaky. It, it's freaky to think about that like the kid in that painting is someone and they're eventually going to grow old and die. Yeah. Like that's that's it's what the f- how scary is that? Existential, you're just in the painting right. and you're just watching your family while you're trapped in there. Oh God for de- decades. Jesus <laughs> The other thing that I kind of got in trouble because of this movie, um, <laughs> um, because I went on a witch hunt uh, when oh, I was a kid. Oh my god, Terry. And I, I was asking Mary Beth before if I had mentioned this on, because like this is a memory that until I saw this movie, I didn't put two and two together <laughs> that it was because of this movie. But it's it's something that like I think back on all the time because there was a neighbor across the street. She was a little old lady, and oh. she wore she wore sunglasses outside. She she was very like dainty. She had gloves no, on. The gloves. Yes, <laughs> exactly. And I got it in my head that she was a witch. My God. Oh. And oh. I oh, no. convinced a friend of mine that she was a witch, and listening to Helga explain what you need to look for to find a witch we would walk by her when she was out in her yard to see if she would cover her nose (laughs) she kept to herself and like she would kind of she gave off this like air of like not liking the kids which again we were being obnoxious brats because we thought she was a witch so one day we decided we, we tracked her movements and we decided to. Oh my god! You tracked her movements. <laughs> we tracked her movements go, go, go. like a bear. I was firmly convinced that there was going to be a cauldron in her living room. And oh my god! So when we thought she was gone, we climbed over a fence because, like, there in in Alaska when we lived, there were like everyone had like these power boxes in their yard, so you could like climb on top of the power box, which you shouldn't <laughs> be doing, and then climb over the fence into someone else's yard. So we did that into her yard. And she was in there, and she was staring at us <laughs> as oh. we were, like, crawling into her yard. And I remember screaming, throwing my hands up, running through her fence because I could get, you know, unlocked from that side, and hiding under my bed. She never 
talk to our parents about it, but I was always afraid that I was going to get in trouble for, for turn into a painting. Now that now she's a now she's a real one though. She didn't write you out to your parents, so really yeah. she was the winner. I know there was no cauldron in her living room. I will say this. Okay, you didn't see her toes. She was probably just like. So. That is also true. That is also hey, true. Hey, lady, can I <laughs> see her toes? Real quick? Yeah, I remember when I read this. There's a part in the book, like right at the beginning, where it's like, oh, you probably think that, like, oh, the women, you know, this woman that I know can't be a witch, but it might even be your lovely school teacher. Why? And she might even be reading right. this to you right now. Watch her face. She's probably laughing at these words right now as she adjusts her gloves. <laughs> and my teacher at the time did sometimes wear gloves because she was like very oh, elegant. No. So it's like, oh God, the teacher's going to eat me. Oh, yeah, definitely made me scared that's... of women who wear gloves for uh, a significant <laughs> number of years. <laughs> wow. Amazing. Wow, Terry. So you're a witch hunter. So that's I was a witch know. hunter as a kid. Yeah. I didn't sneak into anyone's house to see if they had a cauldron, though. Man, I am so glad she was there because can you imagine how much in trouble I'd get if I actually was trying to like break into her house? <laughs> so like that's like the most like Stephen King thing, I've, like Stranger Things situation I've ever heard. I thought that was just in movies, but <laughs> well, no. that's what originally brought the thought, the thought back to my head was when I saw uh, Summer of '84 a couple years ago, and like where the kids uh... think that their next door neighbor's a serial killer. I was like. I can relate to this because <laughs> I thought the neighbor across the street was a witch. And so it's one of those things that's like, it's been on my mind ever since then. And watching this movie, it's just like, it all like came into sharp focus. It was so, so weird. Yeah, really, uh, it teaches you to be afraid of older ladies. <laughs> yeah, it does. I also love how half the witches in the like crowd scenes are just men wearing dresses. Oh, yeah. We will definitely <laughs> oh, get to God. that whole crowd scene. We want to, yes. But Mary Beth, yes, yes, you yes. didn't see this as a kid, right? No, so this was my first time watching it because my mom was fucking mm-hmm. terrified of this movie, <laughs> and so she forbade it from the house. She was like, every time we talked about horror movies, she's like, I saw the witches and I can't do it. No, never again, never again. And so I just like was basically it was like almost like an urban legend at that point. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to watch this shit if my mom is scared of it, and I can see why because like I watched it today and. It's awful. In a good way, I mean that. But, like, it is body horror central, and, like, she's peeling off her face, and kids are turning into mice, and, like, getting tails chopped off, and it's, like, and the beginning, he, his parents die, like, immediately, and it's just, like, so bleak. I don't think I expected it to be so bleak, because I was like, oh, it's a kid's movie, so, like, It'll be kind of gross, but it won't be that bad. I was wrong. I was just, like, sorely mistaken. It's just, like, bleak all the way through. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's, uh, I'm happy they went for, like, we're just gonna go just as bleak as this book actually is. Because uh, really I kind of love that, though, too. Yeah. Because I feel like a lot of movies, well, I, I, I you can tell us more about how the book goes, because I know so many movies now are just like, oh, we should protect the kids. And this was like, nah, fuck kids. <laughs> yeah, 90s, 90s kids movies, man. They were like, we don't care. Right? We're just going to be horrifying. It's I, There has to be a reason why. Like, I feel like so many people, if you ask them, like, what were you traumatized of as a kid? It's like, oh, the witches or the dark crystal or like the never ending story because they were for kids, but they didn't, I don't know, maybe they just thought kids can handle it. <laughs> and they just, they just fully went for it. But yeah, it's a pretty, 
dark movie until the end the end made me laugh i forgot that the end was like this because he just like turns back into a mouse and there's a nice witch or turn into a kid and there's this nice witch who does it in the book he's like well i guess i'm a mouse forever and mouses live for about or mice live for about five years and my grandmother probably only has about five years to go and she's the person that i love most in the world so i don't mind dying when she does and that's how it ends holy shit are you fucking yes, kidding i'm me? not kidding you that's how it ends <laughs> they still do the thing where they're like oh. we're gonna go to america and hunt down the witches but like he's a mouse forever and he's cool with it and she's cool with it and that's it that's how it ends they actually filmed <laughs> that ending from what i'm oh, from what i was they? looking to yeah and uh roald Dahl was very upset that they didn't go with it they wanted to go with a happier ending because in his mind he said that this ending was the happy ending because he's going to be orphaned if he's still alive and so like at this point they Jesus. both died at the same time it was basically from what from what I have gathered from from doing my search on on him. This is what he thought was a happy ending. Oh my god! I mean, it's it's sweet, but I don't know if it's a happy ending. But he does seem to genuinely enjoy being a mouse. Also, the mice in this movie are really cute. The they're the so Bruno cute. Mouse and the I was gonna, Luke mouse. Oh, so they're cute. so cute. I love them. I know. I was like, well, at least they're cute. I don't feel as bad for them because. They're adorable yeah. and have it. And I love how positive Luke is. He's like, oh, it's kind of nice being yeah. a mouse. I'm like, don't have oh. to go to school. You're a sweet <laughs> Yeah, boy. he's very, uh, I like that he has the like pet mice. So he's like kind of already like stoked to like, oh, being a mouse is kind of fun. And he's like, I already have all these grand plans to build like an elevator. And, and then at the end, he has all I that know, stuff. I know, it's house. so cute. And they're singing that little song. It's so yeah, it's super cute. I also love I his know. grandmother. She's rad. Witches spend their time plotting to kill children, stalking the wretched child like a hunter stalks a bird in the forest. Do they hunt you? You said it was an accident. A very unpleasant accident. You know, when I was younger, I traveled the world in search for the Grand High Witch. But I never found her. I don't really believe that anyone has ever found her. Yes. Okay. Let's talk about Helga. Helga. <laughs> Let's talk about Helga because she's a fucking badass. Uh, yeah, totally. I also want her wardrobe. I kind of just like want to be her right? when I'm an old lady. I agree because I feel like a lot of times in in movies and horror movies, especially like old women aren't heroes. Mm-hmm. They don't get to do it's a lot. Like, they're usually they're usually like frail and sa- and sad or like the villains, but she gets to be like this badass hero cuz like she is the hero at the mm-hmm. end. Yeah. She's the one that, like helping get rid of the witches and so I love her and the fact that she smokes oh cigars. Oh my god, yes. Like, the cigars. I'm telling you, oh, I want god. a cigar chomping Helga hunting the high witch across the world prequel. Like oh that god, is what yes. I want. Like a young Helga just like gallivanting across the across the entire world trying to hunt down the high witch. Oh my god, with yes. A cigar in hand. And like, then young Angelica Huston is her rival, and they're like yeah. chasing each other across Europe. Oh my god. Yeah, someone make this. But like, just like, I love all of the women in this movie. Like, I know the witches are the bad guys, but like, and we can talk about this later or now, but like, I love the witches. I know they're disgusting, but like, I have a soft spot in my heart for these weird ass women, <laughs> especially Angelica Huston's character. Yeah. So, we can do you want to just jump into Angelica Huston's character? Yeah. Yeah. Is it Houston or Houston? How am I supposed to say her I last it was name? Houston. Am I saying it wrong? Is it Houston? I want to look it up. I've heard. I I thought it was Houston, but it's obviously not spelled that way. It so is spelled knows? like Houston, but I don't know if that's how you Huston. say it. I don't know. I could be wrong this whole time. Who knows? <laughs> um, 
she's amazing in this movie. And I love the fact that glamour is used as like a mask for their evilness. So like they conform to these like performative mm-hmm. ideas of what women are supposed to look like. Like super glam outfits. Like I love all of their clothes. Like a lot of makeup and hats and like big sparkly clothes and jewelry and then they take off their skin and that's like the complete antithesis of beauty. And I love how they weaponize beauty to deceive people into thinking they're nice. And I just like love that part of the movie and I think it's kind of funny too that it's like obviously Helga's the caretaker. And then you have the the women who hate children, and I identify with that because I don't really like children. (laughs) And I was like, I shouldn't identify with the witches, but I really fucking do. (laughs) I don't want to eat kids, guys, I swear. I don't want to hurt kids. But it's just funny because it's like, they're supposed to be like, oh, the antithesis of the mother and the caregiver. But like, you kind of love them in a way. Yeah, it's like this really, yeah, it's like exactly what you said. It's like this really weird, that this like very performative femininity thing where it's like, I'm going to be this like sweet woman and even like their their organization it's like the society of prevention of cruelty to children it's like yes! they're so just like we we would never hurt on a fly we're just nice little ladies like it's very <laughs> it's such an it, it is really like weaponizing that whole image of like this is what women are supposed to be and if a woman looks like this she's nice and if a woman looks like that then she's not nice and it's like i guess you could say that like you know the women are the, the women are the bad guys in this movie, and, and I don't know what that necessarily says. But Helga is the one of the heroes of the movie. I would say one of the biggest yeah. heroes. Oh, one hundred percent. So it's definitely like it's definitely. I don't know if it's saying it's. I don't know if it's going so far as to say something about like don't trust this like performative femininity because it it might all be bullshit, and that what people actually are inside is more important. So I think that's you know. That might be like the kid-friendly story they were trying to tell, yeah. but yeah, it is. It is really cool that they're they're just like they're playing the game really well. Well, and the thing that I realized watching it um, as an adult is that Angelica's character Ava is a drag queen. Like, <laughs> yes, she is she's a, drag a fucking queen. drag queen. Like when she walks on the stage and like presents oh God, herself yeah, with her arm. arm, it's like RuPaul yeah. and, and yeah. Like, RuPaul's Drag Race. It's exactly like that. It really is, and like just the idea of like putting on her face and like presenting the, a specific idea of womanhood, or like even like a, a kind of like heightened idea of like woman, because she is like put together to the nines. Mm-hmm. And she is like elegant as fuck when she is wearing her costume, and then of course. I, what like really hit home is when they lock up the doors and they're like, "You may remove your shoes. You may remove your wigs." Okay, audience is gone. Let's untuck. <laughs> and they're like, letting their stumpy feet out. They're like <laughs> taking their wigs off. They're like, "Ah, oh, I'm free. I don't have to like." present myself as this is this like beautiful put together woman i can just like let it all hang out yeah like it's it's so it's such drag it is over in the gold bar the witches took off their wigs yeah <laughs> <laughs> well and then like I, terry I told you about this when like the when they walk into her hotel room and like her her face is on the mm-hmm. wig stand like a wig <laughs> but it's just her face and i'm like this is horrifying yeah. and i love every second of it but again like just her face just like waiting to put it on, like when you, you know, like we always say, oh, I'm putting on my face, like makeup, but yes. she's literally, literally putting on her face. her face. Like my favorite is when she's like pulling it on over her head, and the the two women walk in. Who's this? Ah. Who is this? 
You told them to come up after the drinks. Oh. All right, let them in. And she's like, uh, hold on. And she like situates it on her head like a mask and like stretches her skin. And it just like is so it's gross, so, but so cool. I love that part where she and just like, with the beat, where they're in like the, the auditorium and she just peels down just the forehead part. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh my God. It's so cool. And then her nose pops out. Oh my God. It's just like, it's like an amazing reveal. Yeah. Like talking about drag queens. What yeah. a reveal. Like. Oh my yeah, god! Totally. And like a drag queen, she has the best insults. Like she can cut people <laughs> down oh um, from like the brainless bumpkin and the blithering bog bumper. And I know one of your favorites, Laura, is the the carbuncle line. This stinking little carbuncle has had five hundred doses. Yes, I didn't even know what a carbuncle was. No. It's like a wart, I think, but uh, I didn't know what it was when I first saw this movie, and uh, it really increased my vocabulary. <laughs> well, and even when like she's first introduced, one of the witches runs up to her. Nicola Cutler, I've been so looking forward to meeting you. You look marvelous. Mm. I wish I could say the same for you, Nick I wish I could say, say the same to you. <laughs> yeah, she's so <laughs> like to the woman. I'm like, good lord. Cut that woman down. Uh, she's so bitchy. Yeah. Uh, I love it. The thing I really appreciated was was being able to get her character just through the way that her line, her line delivery. Like, when she, when Bruno's dad comes up to her and she's like, oh, you know. But I'd like to say hello to a fellow philanthropist. You collect stamps. Her response is, you collect stamps? And, like, I totally didn't get that joke until, like, as an adult, when, you know, you realize that a person that studies stamps is called a, I don't know how to pronounce it, but a fil- philatist? Fil- fil- philatist? 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 That doesn't make any sense. A stamp for Philatist? I collect stamps. But, like, just the fact that she wouldn't even register the word philanthropist. Phil- oh, my God. Philanthropist? Because, like, why would she? She's a this witch that has no care in the world for any for anything like that she it kind of like is like a hint to like her evilness that she doesn't even yeah. have a care she's like what is this this uh rspcc what is this rsp children. oh of course rspcc that you're talking about even though like yeah. she's supposed to be like the person that's running it yeah they don't they didn't they didn't uh figure out their cover story very well <laughs> Well, she just doesn't care. Yeah. That's the thing that I loved about it is that she has absolutely no care in the world about any of this. No. She, and she's, she's just sort of the like, head of the witches. Right. And the way that she vomits almost, well, try, almost vomits every time she tries to say the word child. Oh God, the yeah. Word child. <laughs> I love how she has a, uh, like, a just indistinguishable European accent. Because sometimes right. <laughs> I was like, is this a German accent? Is this a French accent? It just, like, goes in and out, which I also thought was really funny because I thought it's, like... It's the same performative thing. Like, oh, maybe if I have yeah. this, like, cultured voice, people won't know what I really am. Right. It's a way of, like, of like hiding your past and hiding who you are and just, like, being something that you're not and just, like, thinking that, that this is what you should be yeah, in a this way. Is a, this, is a, this, is a, this is something that passes. But then I was also interested in the fact that, like, Helga has an accent and obviously like they say she's from Norway but it was so interesting having these two women who were very distinctly mm-hmm. not American mm-hmm. like and but you know European so not too different but very interesting how they're kind of like pitted against each other and again like Helga talks about like hunting her I want more yeah. of the hunting story we didn't get enough of that 
But it's so interesting how it kind of creates this weird lore background with the two of them. And it feels like it's been this like epic battle for so long. And you never get to see that. But in my own, in my head, I created this epic (laughs) struggle for power. And like these two women who aren't not American, but still European are just like in an eternal battle with each other. And I just really kind of liked that weird vibe between the two of them. Yeah, it's definitely like... Yeah, it's it reminds me of a lot of these like women in power struggle type movies. Like, what's that Blake Live that Blake Lively movie that just came out a few years ago? Oh, oh a simple, yeah, favor? like something favor? like that. Yeah. Where it's like yeah. I really wanted to see that, like a two strong women having a rivalry kind of thing, mm-hmm. and one is good and one is evil. And it's always it's interesting to me too how like Helga has a much more natural look. Like she lets her hair go yeah. gray. She's you know she's kind of just rocking the old lady caft hands with like the jewelry. Uh, you know, peak like old lady goals, but it's it's such a contrast to and the you know Angelica Huston's character because she's you know polished to the nines. She's got the hair, the lipstick, the makeup, and it's very I, I don't know like maybe it's something about being more comfortable in your own skin because you don't you don't if yeah. you have nothing to hide you don't have to like take it to such extremes with your you know your your appearance and your performance so. I always thought that was kind of interesting, too. And I feel like that translates to talking about the mice kids, too, because it's like, you know, they transform into little mice, but they're still the same sweet kids who love to eat, and like, Bruno. Or like Bruno loves to eat. Like, they have the same yeah. personalities, and, like, even if they're not human, they have those personalities, and, that, and that's what matters, and, like, that's what gets them, like, saves the day. And so that is just really interesting, like, you know, the performativeness and, like, wanting to look a certain way. Maybe it's not, like, misogynistic, but maybe it's, a, like, kind of, like, an anti-performative, like patriarchal thing i don't know i think i'm thinking too much into it <laughs> this <laughs> um, weird children's this movie. weird children's movie that is like probably just meant to like be freaky and i'm just like what about the patriarchy um yeah. but i think it's important to think about because it, it is, there are strong women in this movie like a lot of women are monstrous but not all of them are so it is like a little bit more nuanced than just like women bad <laughs> yeah, yeah definitely there's there's a i think there's a line in the book that's like the, the little boy is like oh, oh how come we, uh, witches are only women how come witches are only women and the uh, like aren't there like wizards and she's like no that's stupid you don't want to know about what male <laughs> monsters are out there oh. <laughs> oh my god in the book she's fully like oh there's more monsters i'm just telling you about one kind oh my god <laughs> amazing yeah it's it's great holy but, shit yeah, I, I like that the movie captured that same terrifying vibe where they just give no fucks about scaring kids. And I like that. Like, I think the world is really scary. Yeah. And I think we shouldn't, like, sugarcoat it for children. Like, even if there aren't really witches or are there, you know, it's <laughs> it like it's not it's it's not healthy to, like, paint the world as this, like, totally safe, happy place where everyone's going to be nice to you as a kid. Yeah. Well, and this is also like a time um, I mean, we've we've kind of discovered this as we were like going covering a bunch of like kinder trauma in in the eighties and into the <laughs> early nineties. Is that like this is a time when when um, horror directors would would direct kids movies, and it was like it almost was like they were making a horror movie for adults that just sort of happened to feature kids. You know what I mean? So like mm-hmm. in this case, you have uh, Nicholas rogue i don't really know how to pronounce his last name but he was that he directed don't look now mm-hmm. and the man who fell to earth yeah and like the way this movie looks as an adult watching this i'm like this cinematography reminds me of like a bunch of the kind of euro horror that i would watch it reminded me of like possession the way that the camera would 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 track people in the sort of almost like uh, like manic way um i'm thinking of mm-hmm. like in particular when 
in the very beginning when the witch tries to lure the kid, lure Luke out of the tree, and then there's a shot of her walking away with the snake, the way the camera is like manically following her just like reminded me so much of some some of the ways that characters were filmed in like possession and whatnot and the cinematographer is the cinematographer of the burning which was um Mm. kind of a slasher type movie so like I'm, i'm seeing all of this and i'm thinking that this kind of is why i think it scared a bunch of kids because it 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 took the idea of being kind of this horror movie for kids and took it seriously and respected the kids and made a movie that just happened to be about kids. Yeah, that's wild. More yeah. of that, more of that, please. <laughs> let's bring <Yeah>. it back. <laughs> let's bring let's bring back scaring the shit out of kids. Ari Aster make a kids movie. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Can you imagine oh. Disney hiring him to make a kids movie? Oh that's so amazing. No, but I want it so bad. <laughs> it would be amazing. It would be amazing. Make hereditary for kids. Suits. <laughs> oh my god bear suits are cuddly oh my god <laughs> <laughs> that would be absolutely amazing so uh, speaking of which we are getting a remake yeah, by robert zemeckis um so is this going to be uncanny valley territory where like it's like because didn't he do uh the polar express and like all oh god those? yeah yeah i'm not looking forward to this remake at all i don't think it's gonna be good <laughs> I, well, and, like, I love Anne Hathaway, but she does not have the same, like, vibe as Angelica Houston. I mean, I just don't think you can fill those shoes. I think Angelica Houston is so – has, like, this camp sensibility about mm-hmm. her and is, like, over the top and campy. And Anne, I just don't think of Anne Hathaway that way. And I like Anne Hathaway as an actress. I don't think she's a bad actress, but I don't think she has that kind of, like, campy sensibility to her. Because I when I, when I think of Angelica Houston, I think of – um, the Adams family too. Like mm-hmm. she has that kind yeah. of gothic, creepy, funny vibe about her, and like I just Anne Hathaway to me it reminds me of like a cinnamon roll. Yeah, and and she's definitely in this movie. She's like doing this very like old school Hollywood thing. Like she reminds yes. me of like Joan Crawford or yes. something like that. Yes. Like that sort of like that very like glam to the nines. And like I don't know. I don't think they're gonna do that because I don't think. Like, in 1990, that was, I think, like, you know, somebody like Joan Crawford was, like, the idol of, like, glam femininity. And, like, now kids are like, Joan Crawford, who the hell's that? So let's right. get Anne Hathaway, I guess. And I like her, too. But, yeah, she doesn't have that, like, regal sense of presence, I think. Well, and someone was saying, I don't remember, I haven't read a ton about it, but the remake is supposed to be more, like, kind of dealing with, like, white supremacy. Yeah. And, like, I think because Octavia Spencer is the grandmother, Mm -hmm. and so it's, like, a black family, and I guess they're going to lean more into the witch being, like, like, you know, like, the grand wizard and the KKK, the grand witch. So I'm interested to see how that is going Mm -hmm. to go in a Disney movie. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, I'm like a wait, I'm waiting seeing on this movie. I'm not holding any, not holding my breath for it to be good, but uh, maybe at the very least it'll be interesting. I just don't yeah. think Robert Zemeckis is the right choice. No, I don't think no. he's a good director or and hasn't been I, in a very long time. I don't think so I think the either. last movie of his that I really enjoyed was What Lies Beneath. Oh, God. oh he did What Lies Beneath? He did back when he was I didn't even know so that. making good movies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I kind of like that Beowulf movie. It's just because it was so weird and so it made me uncomfortable because it was right when he started doing Uncanny Valley. Yeah. But it worked. It worked for like the fantasy aspect of it. But then he did like stuff like Polar Express, and it's too realistic, and then it upset me. But yeah, I haven't really been a fan of his in a long time. He's very like 
I don't know. It's interesting to me that they're going to do this like sort of white supremacy, like racial message, because I feel like he's such a like Disneyified director that just makes yeah. these like very family friendly, wholesome movies that I'm, I don't know. Like, I feel like he wouldn't take enough risks for it to like actually say something important, but right. I don't know. I could be wrong. You know, the thing that, that I, I realized watching this too is just how much I think that this movie influenced um, Michael Doherty. Um, the director mm. of, of Krampus, because oh. like I look at Helga and I see Omi from. Have you guys seen Krampus? Oh yeah, I have not actually. Okay. Oh yeah, well, she does remind me of Omi. There's yeah. a grandma in there that like she tells a story about like her running with Krampus back mm. when she was a kid. Please listen. English, I knew it. I must tell you something to all of you. It started. And there's this kid that, like, you know, in, in that movie, the kid love, it loves Christmas and believes in Santa, even though he's too old to believe in, in it at the time. And so, like, he talks to his grandma about it, and she has that kind of thick accent, and she's talking about her time, basically her first encounter with Krampus. And I'm, like, I'm watching this, and I'm watching this sort of, like playful kind of gateway horror-esque vibe that he's going for in that movie. And I'm like, man, this movie, watching The Witches now after watching that, I can see where like he probably had this as like an inspiration to him. I think he would have made a really interesting um, The Witches remake, honestly. That would be a good good choice. Yeah, I really love, one of the things I love so much about this movie and the book is how much they talk about like fo- like folklore and like the folklore mm. of witches and yeah. like very like this this movie made me scared of Norway uh, because they're very like <laughs> oh there's tons like there's tons of witches in Norway and they're all out to get you here are all the kids I know who died when I was a kid <laughs> so I'm like oh god they're in those those woods uh, and I always like when I see like Scandinavian horror like that troll hunter movie. Oh yeah, uh, yes. which is ter- I don't know if that was Norway, but it was like somewhere near there. So it's just like, uh, yeah, obviously witches are from Norway because there's all those woods and stuff. They have so <laughs> many places to hide. So just this idea that like it's it's such a European movie, and it it feels right to me that it's all ta- that it all takes place in Europe because it is yeah. it's this very old world thing about like these mm-hmm. there's these monsters among us. They've been around for like hundreds of years. And we just have to coexist with them and live with them. And it is a pretty British movie. There's a lot of Monty Python pratfalls towards the end in the yes. scene. Where the, the, Rowan Atkinson. Rowan Atkinson. Oh, my God. He's, he has a small role, but he's pretty funny in this movie. He's uh, also, the chef he's who so... gets a mouse uh, up his butt and has to take <laughs> off his pants is Carson from Downton Abbey. Yes. And he's also oh. in um, The Little Vampire. Have you guys ever seen the Disney Channel oh, classic like of The Little Vampire? Ago. I haven't seen it since oh, I was a kid. I was too old for that. I, I well, as, as someone who's obsessed with vampires, this was like my favorite movie as a kid, and I he bet. plays the vampire. He plays the vampire hunter in that movie. Oh, I didn't know. Bruno Bruno's dad is in Outlander. There's a lot of prestige British actors in this movie, <laughs> right? Though I was like, wait, hold on, there are some relatively big names like in the background of this movie. Yeah, so we had such a weird. It's such a weird movie, but like a really good movie, and I just. I hope they keep the practical effects yes. so badly. Uh, yeah. Like, the, like when she turns into the rat at the end. Oh my God. It's just like, it's so well done and it looks so good. And I just hope, like we said, that Zemeckis doesn't bring in his weird ass on Candy Valley animation and they lean into practical effects because that's like one of the reasons why this movie is so good is because it looks like they're witches. Like yeah. they're peeling off their skin and it looks like 
there is a monster underneath that mask. Yeah. Oh, it looks horrifying. It's I, I'm hoping because there's been like a Jim Henson sort of resurgence. Like we had that Dark Crystal remake and everything. Like oh yeah, which I didn't really like, but as someone who really loves that movie, but I I don't know. Like I think Practicals maybe making a bit more of a resurgence, but I don't know if it's just like a indie horror thing where it's coming back more because I feel like a lot of movies I've seen in the last few years have done like a crazy practical effects thing, but. I don't know. Yeah. Zemeckis might just want to polish it too much for it to have that same appeal. But like the whole point of that is not to be polished. Yeah. But I guess we'll see. Maybe it'll maybe it'll make sense with his version of the story. But I don't know. It just feels weird to not do practical effects with the witches. Yeah. I want I want Anne Hathaway to have a giant prosthetic nose mm-hmm. and her skin to just be kind of dripping off of her face. Yeah, she looks like a bat with a testicle chin. Yes, testicle <laughs> chin. chin. We need a giant with like nose. errant hair, just like just like random specks of hair that are coming off her body. Like it's just it's so yeah. it looks so good. It looks so good. It looks so good. I, I remember like I read the book and then I watched the movie and I was really curious about what they would do. And like it's different from the book. In the book, she has like her. It, it, this is like the the reason why I could not go back and read this book when I was a kid. I only read it once. They talk about like. There's a picture, number one, but they talk about how there's like holes in her face and there's like a worm <gasps> that keeps coming through. Oh, wow. And oh. like, they, they didn't do that in the movie. And I don't know how much that, that might have been too far and scared too many little kids, but they definitely <laughs> went like full for it. Like, they did the whole body thing. Like, she looks incredible. That's the other amazing. thing that I'm kind of worried about with, with the Zemeckis remake, though, is that. I he I I did do a little bit of of searching and I did see that he wants to keep it more in line with the book is what is what he was saying and I have a feeling that it's going to end with him with the kid still being a um a mouse and they're going to set off like that's going to set up a franchise yeah. I just have this feeling this is going to be a franchise of them like going to different places around the world to like bring the kid back from being a mouse to being a human that's what i'm afraid is gonna happen that they're just like Hmm. doing that disney thing so we're gonna get another (laughs) franchise we didn't ask for (laughs) yeah like no one needs a sequel to the witches we're good with it it could tie itself up in some way we don't need unless Unless we're gonna do a prequel of yes helga with the cigar chomping (laughs) that is what i want to see yeah same if it's the prequel of octavia spencer as helga and then anne hathaway as the witch i, I could yeah watch i could that, do that though. too like, i i think i could I do like that both of those actors like, i could do it i, I like too. them so we'll yeah. see yeah. um so do we want to give this movie a rating out of five we do okay so terry how many stinking little carbuncles out of five do you give the witch Tis. The witch is, not the witch. <laughs> Just one. <laughs> that, this is only part one of the episode, guys. <laughs> There's only one, how the only witch, one witch in this movie. Like, <laughs> proactively terrified Laura as a kid. Um, <laughs> no, um, I, you know, I, I hadn't, like I said, I hadn't seen this movie in probably 27 or 28 years. And the, the feeling of watching this again was like slipping into a warm bed that's just like it's so nice it was so comfy i i think this movie is fantastic i think it has i think it has withstood the, the test of time one of the things that i i i really i i think that there's a little bit that like as an adult you can also appreciate too a lot of the stuff that went, went over my head i mean we talked about the drag queens we talked about like the performative gender about it we talked about some of the themes mm-hmm. but the other thing is is that like i I love the witches convention is basically like a giant pyramid scheme. <laughs> oh my god, yes. <laughs> like she's like one child a week is no good to me. We will do better. We will do much better. Huh. Better is no good either. I demand 
maximum results. We must maximize basically our profits equal yeah. to kill all kids. Like she is like, Here's you are giving me one kid a week. This is not enough. Yes. Like it almost reminds me of like those like Tupperware parties or even like, <laughs> like it's just that's what the vibe is giving me. And I just it 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 kills me. And she's introducing this new product, this, you know, f- new formula that's going to like do everything and then some and it's going to with them of all their problems. I just I love this movie so much. Yeah, it's um, so great. I think I am going to actually probably give it, oh man, five probably stinking little wow. carbuncles out of five. I just, I think it, I think it's a perfect movie um, for kids. I love it so much. What about wow. you, Mary Beth? So I'm going to give it four stinking little okay. carbuncles out of five. Um, I really did enjoy it. I'm so glad I finally watched it. As many people have listened to this podcast, it's been a lot of me catching up on <laughs> things I've missed as an adult, as a child. And I really enjoyed it. I think it was so much scarier than I expected. I mm-hmm. think the practical effects are amazing. I think I'm still kind of stuck on like thinking about the gender representations in this film. And like not in a bad way, but like there's a lot to think about, like more than I ever expected. And also I'm coming to this as an adult and probably projecting too much onto it. But like I love witches in horror. And I think this is such an interesting interpretation of witches. And it's so in contrast with what witches are now in film. And so it's it's kind of interesting to watch this now after we've had like The Witch and Suspiria and um, Gretel and Hansel. Well, that, that the, the witch is bad in that one too. <laughs> but um, like these kind of like tension between which is evil and which is good. And I think it's really fascinating to look at. So I'm going to give it four stinking little carbuncles out of five. Laura, you have the final word. How, what is your rating for The Witch? I think I'm going to do it draw it in between the two of you and do can i do 4.5 <laughs> carbuncles out of five you can. yes you, you can i also love this movie for all of the reasons you guys mentioned i love that it's this very glam performative femininity and you know reveals that there can kind of be monsters inside something that you think is okay or acceptable um i love the grandmother i love mr bean uh, I love, and I also love witches in movies. And I think this is like pretty formative for me as like somebody who really liked witches in movies because it taught me that they can like, you can, they're, they're always like an evil woman, but like how, how nuanced and how many like variants you, how much variance you want to give that is like dependent. And I think this is like a good entry point for like people who are watching movies and want to maybe want to get their kids to watch witch movies. Uh, but I think it definitely like aged really well. There's not a lot of super '90s things about it. Some of like the stylistic choices are very like '90s. Like there's a lot of like chase scenes with like wacky music <laughs> playing that I don't know if I like love. Uh, and I don't like the ending because I think it's such a bleak movie that I mean I understand for sales reasons why they might have gone with a happier ending, but I feel like it's more. It's more true to the story of like who you are on the outside doesn't matter mm-hmm. uh, as long as who you are inside is you know a good person and it I think it fits better if the story ended with him being a little mouse and hanging out with his grandma and then being totally okay with that so I'll I'll take off half half a, a rotting or stinky carbuncle for that but <laughs> other than that yeah I really love it and uh, I want to one day be Angelica Huston for Halloween one day. oh yeah. 
Yes. I love that. 100%. I think we should all aspire to be that. <laughs> I, think I think so. We should. I think we should. And I want to do like Angelica Houston, but like with my face coming down. Half like, peeled. Like half yes. peeled. Like there's the, oh, yeah, like the only the way to do it. Just the forehead. Flopped. Yeah. The forehead flopping, flopping oh, over. Yeah. This movie also made me afraid of convention halls. As a kid. <laughs> <laughs> like, never, play, never play in empty convention halls, children. You never know who's using it later. <laughs> I mean, that's good life advice. That is, like, that yeah, is good life advice. So. It really you is. Never know. You never know. <laughs> Oh. oh wow well <laughs> thank you so much laura for joining us to talk about the witches where yeah, thank you guys where can the listeners find you and do you have anything coming up you'd like to share yeah uh so you can find me on mostly on twitter uh i'm laura underscore d-i-g-i because my last name is a disaster and no one wants to learn how to spell that <laughs> <laughs> i have uh my website's laura digital and it has kind of all the other stuff i work on um i'm working on Oh God, what am I doing? Uh, well, Bloody Bloody Mary is coming back in 2021. We haven't announced a date yet, but it's coming. Uh, so you guys should stay tuned for that soon. Um, I'm working on working with the Anatomy of a Scream team uh, to launch a podcast yeah. network, which is going to be really exciting. Hell yeah! Yeah, I'm super excited for that. More podcasts. Uh, there's there's a little podcast project that I want to work on, potentially part of that. So, so cool. Uh, this, this is good practice. Uh, <laughs> And uh, I'm also working on developing slash pitching a web series. Uh, I'm doing uh, some more screenwriting type stuff. Uh, and it's actually going to be with Amelia Moses and Lee Marshall, who had a film <gasps> at Fantasia. Up. Oh, wow. Yeah. Bleed, oh, yeah. Bleed, Bleed with, with me. me is one of my favorites from the festival. Yes, I love it. Yeah, that so was there, aggressive. We're, I we're apologize. We're on a thing. <laughs> oh, I'm so happy that you're excited. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we're working on like a like a like a limited series web series type thing that's like a horror dark comedy oh. about like telepaths who are in love and also they oh have to God. fight a squid monster oh in my a cottage. God. Oh. Um, I want this I now. Want, I, I need it right now. <laughs> it's like everything Soon. I've ever wanted. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been really fun. It's like an idea that I've been like toying around for a couple years, and we're like shaping it into a web series that I think will be really fun. And it's very like sort of relationship based and like all of that kind of thing, like figuring out your feelings for people and like being vulnerable with people that you love, but also like, Oh God, they can hear what I'm thinking. Uh, and then there's a squid monster. Cause I am terrified of squid monsters and I think they fit really well in a story that's about our subconsciousnesses. So yeah, that's really fun. Uh, and I'm pretty excited for that. Uh, yes, 100%. That sounds <laughs> amazing. Um, so listeners, you've heard from us, but we want to hear from you. What was your experience with the witches? You can send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com, or you can reach out to us directly on Twitter. I'm at MB McAndrews. And I'm McGeely Dreadful. And of course, keep the conversation go- going by chatting with us on Twitter at Scarred Podcast. And please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. Thank you to Steve Arnold for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thank you to everyone for listening. Please stay safe out there, but most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time. <laughs> powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is the briefing room? 
It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs>